the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Ruta with a long wrist shot blocked in front. Tim Cook made a seat, then he stopped Belmar on the rebound with his left pass. Rebound in front, they score. Victor Hedman in front. Hamannick back to it. Pressured off the puck by Perry. Gets it in front. One timer, they score. Ross Colton in the slot after Perry forced the turnover on the forecheck. And it's 2 0 Tampa. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Myers fires ahead for Miller, right wing. Goes to the goal. He's dropped by Vasilevsky with a right pad as Miller just bossed his way to the front of the net. Got the puck up quickly to Kalorn, who had a partial break but missed the net. Canucks in on the forecheck. Garland gets it in front for Miller. He scores! The official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 2-1 against the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Hard-fought third period. Canucks come up short, losing a regulation 2-1. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar going to bring in Corey Hirsch into the conversation here in a second on the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Canucks get off to a slow start in the first period. Tampa takes a 2-0 lead. And that's essentially all they needed in this game. Andre Vasilevsky, tremendous between the pipes. But it doesn't come without some controversy. The fans at Rogers Arena, especially in the third period, really getting on the officials for rescinding a high-sticking call on Tyler Mott after reviewing it and just with some questionable moments in this game. So, Hershey, when you look at how this game unfolded, what do you think cost the Canucks the most this evening? Well, the start. Again, yeah. they did it back-to-back. Um, what Tampa did is they came out, they knew they were tired, they came out as hard as they could in the first 10 minutes, Yeah, and then just sat on a 2 nothing lead. No pun intended. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can sit on leads too, and it does not end very well. But Tampa, well, they're one of those teams when you have Andre Vasilevsky between the pipes, you kind of so can't. And, you know, the Canucks did push back a bit, and they did create some chances, especially in the second and in the third. However... I mean, Tampa's a team, too, that, I mean, you look at that goaltending, which has been tremendous, but even, you know, beyond all that. How smart were they? Right? Well, that's the thing. Exactly, and you right? And you can complain about the non-goal, but the goal the Canucks did score shouldn't have counted, so it all comes out. Well, you think it that all was, comes out. So you thought lot. that was icing It was that? icing. He beat, so what happens is he beats him to the dot, and it doesn't, and then, so Chernak slows up. Right. Which allows Garland to get in to get the puck, because Chernak's not going after the puck. Right. Or he would have taken an angle. Over that way. Instead, he's thinking, I just need to get to the dot. And then, right, so it was a blown call. Um, And there was, yeah, you know what, I always, I feel for the officials because, like I say for people, it's we're watching on TV or you're up in the 25th row. Yeah, I can see everything. I've been on the ice. I've been down there and coaching even in practices with NHL players and playing. It's fast, and those guys are Big, yeah. and you have to make a judgment call, and sometimes you got to get out of the way, and you don't see stuff. And they have a very, very difficult job. Um, it wasn't great tonight, the officiating, uh, but they let the teams play. Uh, and yeah, you know it's a tough one on the Canucks, but I always believe everything comes out in the wash, anyways. 
it just goes to you know control what you can control. Yeah. And okay, the officiating is going to be out of your control a lot of night. You obviously want it to be to a certain standard as consistently as possible. But what you know what you can control is how you start the game and your effort level and your yeah. engagement level. And look, give full credit to Tampa Bay because it wasn't as if the Canucks were so poor and the Canucks, the, the Lightning took advantage. They ramped it up early on. They got yeah. their two goal lead and were just solid throughout the rest of the evening, knew when to push it, knew when to sit back, and they kind of managed the game with the two-goal lead. Surprise, surprise, a two-time Stanley Cup champion team knows how to do that, but if, if we're talking about focusing on things that you can control, their start wasn't good enough, and I know, yeah. Archie, you mentioned it, their start. Yeah. It, they were always playing from behind, and against a team like the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you just... It, it, you make it so hard on yourself, and they played well the rest of the way. But you know, you play, you just make it so difficult on yourself. Well, and especially yeah. against Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, and I saw you mention this on Twitter. It's not Vanacek. It's not Vitek Vanacek. Yeah. You're going against yeah. with a two nothing lead. You ramp it up. You get a couple chances. You score. Andre Vasilevsky, Hershey. He might be the best goalie in the league. Well, and this is what I was talking about earlier of, of goaltending management of where you play your yeah back to back. And that was they put on a clinic. That was prime. Yeah, it, it, but it, it was like, that was Brian Elliott. They probably don't. Yeah, get the they, two they, they, yeah and, and Brian's a good goalie. But yeah. they play in Edmonton last night. Edmonton gets fifty shots. Yeah, they probably don't win that game. Even though it's Vasilevsky, they're probably not going to win. Instead, they play Vasilevsky tonight. Yeah, and the Canucks are still a, a very good high-scoring hockey team. But that's goaltending management. Yeah. See, that's smart. So, I, I mean, would you you're like, right. If Elliott plays it, probably, and no disrespect to him, but he's not Vasilevsky. And Edmonton was all over Tampa. So, I mean, maybe they find a way to win that game anyways. They may come away from these two games with no points, Tampa, as opposed to coming up with a win tonight. And that kind of shows you how good Andre Vasilevsky was for them. And you know what? We've talked about this before, but is that the way to go? Right. That you go with your top goalie on the second of a back-to-back when your guys are tired, but also kind of takes a level of confidence knowing you have the Tampa Bay Lightning roster. Yeah. They can be like, you know what, we can win with a with a 70% energy level because we have Vasilevsky between the Yeah, bikes. There's two ways you have to look at it. Okay, well, you look at the two teams you're playing. So let's say you're going into Tampa Bay, and you're playing Tampa, and then you're playing, you got to go into, I don't know, Montreal, who's whatever. Let's yeah. just put those two together. Let's say you're going back-to-back. All right, you're probably not going to win in Tampa. Play your backup, and then play your number one against Montreal so you at least get two out of four points, right? So that's goaltending management. And you can disagree with me all you want, but you can play your number one in Tampa and lose. Yeah. And then your backup, you're, you know, sometimes you're rolling the dice as to what you get. So, yeah, it's they did a nice job of managing their goaltending. As far as the Canucks, uh, Connor Garland was uh – all over the place today, yeah. getting involved in a little bit of everything. Got his reward on that goal uh, as well. Uh, yeah. A well-deserved point tonight for Connor Garland. He, it, it really was. My issue with Connor Garland, just too inconsistent, Bick. Mm-hmm. Like, we see that. You need to be that 5 out of 6 games or 9 out of 10, right? He's that 5 out of 10. And that's a tough job, tough role that he plays. I get it. But if you're going to play that role, you have to be involved a lot of nights, and there's too many nights where he's a passenger, and tonight, though, when he is good like that, Bick, mm-hmm. like you just said, man, he was effective, wasn't he? And maybe it, it was playing with JT Miller. Maybe that helped the speed, so sometimes it's finding guys guys to play with, but you're right. He was he was great tonight. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about Niels Hoaglander because, you know, Coach has kind of pointed him out and talked a lot about, you know, what he's done and hasn't done, and we looked at his ice time. Last game, he played less than eight minutes. Yeah. Tonight, he played seven minutes and 30 seconds again tonight. Yeah. And I actually thought he'd been playing well. I'm, I'm a bit surprised that the last couple of games, 
Hoaglander's been the guy who's been receiving, you know, the yeah. stick on the bench. Well, you know what's sad, and it's I said this about a few guys on this team. They're young, but they need a good summer of just getting stronger and just hire the best trainer you can when you go home then get bigger like Hoaglander is just not strong enough like he goes to shoot the puck he shoots he doesn't shoot hard enough he doesn't like these goalies you gotta you, like look at how hard JT Miller shoots right well, yeah. you wanna be a goal scorer like okay so if you're Hoaglander what else what else do you do you're, you're small you're a water bug you're not pesky you better be able to score goals so you need to be able to shoot like JT Miller or Pedersen or those guys and there's probably a few more guys like Quinn Hughes needs to get stronger uh, but they're young. They're going to get stronger. They're not. They're not twenty-seven, twenty-eight-year-old men, right? So that's, you, you know, Hoaglander has become a little bit of the, you know, he's in the doghouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, Pod Colson didn't play much either. You know, they, they, there's a bunch of guys that didn't play, and they're young. So they're, they're you know, whenever you're going to go as a coach. Who are you gonna go with? You right. gonna go with your older veteran guys when you look down on the bench, or are you gonna yeah. go with your young guys that you're like, yeah, we play as good. Hope Especially when you consider these last two games, like the physicality of Washington, yeah. and the physicality of Tampa. They once again, like, they brought it, man. There's, and you just look at guys like Palat, Maroon, mm-hmm. uh, Belmar, and you just kind of go through Perry. Then I'll ask. So I'll ask you guys this too. But do you see why they're Stanley Cup champions? Yeah. How big and heavy those yeah. teams are. Yeah. Well, and again, Canucks are not close to being a big and heavy team. Well, it's that, and also just the level of sheer talent they have. I mean, yeah, that, that, that back that. end. I mean, it's you have Hedman, you have Ryan McDonough, so Mikhail Sergachev, and yeah, and you have Surinak, and all those guys are behemoths on the back yeah. end as well. Didn't right? mention Bogosian. Well, but I mean, yeah. that's they've built that. Yeah. yeah. So that's what the Canucks. If you're looking at it like your Rutherford, that's what you got. The build other thing that. too is like there's no wasted motion by any of their players. Like no. the, the timing is nice. They're always in the right spots, good angles. The rare moment they don't was on the icing, and Chernak kind of gets a bit wayward. But like even that yeah. can can be called icing, and he, he's still in the right spot. It just they are they are very slick and very professional. Well, like this text here, unsigned, says the Canucks really miss miss PD tonight. I mean, you know, with oh, the yeah. way he's he's going, of course they really did, and. We, I think we looked at the deployment of the ice time. That's a big reason why guys like Hoaglander and Podkolzin did not play a ton, especially yeah. Hoaglander, obviously, in this game. But, you know, Yuho Lamico play almost 16 minutes. Yeah. Was, and I thought that line actually did a lot of good things. I mean, especially in the third, they were generating. And I thought in the first, there was, there was one line that was doing something. It was that kind of Lamico line at one point. But when, you're, when you don't have Pedersen out there 20 minutes a game, like, it yeah. was really hard for the Canucks to generate chances in this one. Yeah, and it gives you three lines of, that, can, that can put the puck on the net. And, you know, Lamico, I, I mean, I would bump them up probably to the third line now instead of the fourth line that they typically <laughs> were. But it's they're, they're not going to score. They're, they're going to check and they're going to give you time. But you need three lines that can score. But um, I was disappointed in Kucherov. He was, that was the worst, one of the worst games I've seen him play. He was, he was not good. Either that, he just he had the full float on. He just really did not care. <laughs> For the they first period, he generated a lot of chances, and then, yeah, after, and then that, after that, it was like, yeah. it's, like they took the the, full... it's like it's like they took their two nothing lead, and like, yeah, we're good, yeah. we can cruise the rest. Kucherov of the way. Put, I mean, can you blame him? Two yeah, one at the end of the night. Yeah, right? Vasilevsky between the pipes. <laughs> he put the water wings on for the rest of the <laughs> hockey game. Yeah, no question. Uh, Hershey, before we let you go, um, we talked about these two games, how critical they were, Washington and Tampa, on this homestand because. We looked at this homestand and said, you got to probably win five out of seven, yeah. right? you got to go five and two. Now they've lost two games, but they lost one in overtime. Not that you have to go perfect the rest of the way, but really fine margin for error for, for the remaining four games on this yeah. homestand. Well, they're get, at least they're, they're, 
I mean, they're close. They're they're really close. But there's also other teams. Vegas uh, is really in a free fall. Yes. I wonder what they're going to do there. And typically, that could mean a coaching change. Um, so I'm could you imagine to a former Canuck coach does. taking over uh, hey, in uh, Vegas? Yeah, you never know, right? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But um, that's probably you know, unless the group, like that group, is very talented. They should be able to get it done, and they are not. So um, that gives the Canucks an open opportunity, right? Yeah, Edmonton's faltered, so. We'll see. You never, you never know what can happen. But yeah, the next two games are what Jersey and Detroit. It's I mean, must wins. Absolutely. I mean, must if wins. there's one game you look at and say, okay, try to get anything you can out of it, it's that Calgary game, and you know they'll be jazzed up because the Canucks beat them seven one last time they mm-hmm. met. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be a tough one. But I mean, it's they've done a great job getting back in the race. They're right there still. But let's not forget, there's not a lot of margin of error. You're still playing catch play. We went through the standings before this game started. Tonight, you lose both points here. And yeah, you have a game in hand on Vegas still, but you're still three points back of Vegas. If you had one tonight, you would have been a lot closer. And bad news in LA. Uh, the LA Kings tied the game with 30 seconds left against the Panthers. They just won in the shootout as well, oh, so they yeah. pick up two points. They're actually, they're seven clear That's of you. Yeah. yeah. They're seven but clear here, How much, but I'll ask you guys isn't it unbelievable how much it depends on goaltending? It absolutely does. Like it's so yeah. every game is so much about goaltending. I, I can the five three game against uh, who played here the Canucks won, uh, but it, the, that was one of the only games where I didn't think that Thatcher, Dem, uh, Thatcher Demko Montreal? had to be a factor. The Montreal yeah. game, yeah, yeah, that was one of the only games where I'm like yeah. he didn't. Every night it's like both teams. Goalie's got to be a factor. So, yeah. yeah. No question. Well, Hershey, we'll let you uh, get on with the rest of your evening, and we look forward to chatting with you on Tuesday. On Tuesday. When the Canucks host the New Jersey Devils. Every second night, hey? Let's yeah, get her done. Yeah, Thanks, gents. Game 60 in the books, 22 more to go, and that is Corey Hershey. We'll hear him and Brandon Bachelor call the game between the Canucks and Devils and the rest of the games for this season on Sportsnet 650. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. We are waiting head coach Bruce Boudreaux. Woo who will be on the podium here momentarily. We'll go to him as soon as we can. And you can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Coach Boudreau will be at the podium in any moment, so we'll take your calls on the other side after that. But, Bick, before we get to the head coach, what is happening on the Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650? Yeah, keep your texts coming in, 650-650. Trucker James has back-to-back games, slow starts, fell behind by two goals, and then once we push back and get the game. Poor officiating plays a bit of a role. Bad news, only a single point out of four. Good news, we still gained a point on the teams ahead of us since they also lost two opportunities missed. Obviously, uh, talking about Vegas there is a team that uh, picked up losses. Uh, Connor from Saskatoon asks, do you guys think if Bruce was in charge from the get-go, it would be a lock for the playoffs? If so, does this team have a legit shot at a deep run next year? Well, I mean, depending on what the roster looks like next season. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's a core here that certainly can do a lot of things if you kind of build it all out. And if you have Boudreaux all year, you're probably, I want to say you're a surefire playoff team now, but you're probably sitting here with, what, five or six more points maybe? Probably in the 70-point range maybe? Yeah. 
give it five. And hey, listen, you bake. Let's not also forget Pedersen was really bad, and he mm-hmm. wasn't going to get better with Boudreaux. Let's not forget early on in Boudreaux's tenure, Pedersen was still struggling. It took him about you know was it forty games to really find his game and really get going. And the last twenty he's been on, and now obviously missed tonight's game with an upper body injury and is deemed day to day. And we'll hear what Boudreaux has to say about Pedersen and his status when he uh, comes to the podium here momentarily. Uh, and somebody texted in and says, "You say Vegas, but they're chasing Edmonton now." Well, they're chasing Edmonton for the third spot in the Pacific Division. Vegas still holds the second wild card spot in the Western Conference. The team to really cast out is becoming the Dallas Stars, who have four games in hand on Vegas, and they're only one point behind. And if they win those three games in hand, well, they would be eight points clear of the Vancouver Canucks. So Vancouver is still chasing Vegas for that wild card spot, but it may be the Dallas Stars. And again, the Canucks have done a tremendous job. They're in this playoff race pick, right? They're still on pace for about 90 points in the season after the horrendous start they had the first 25 games of this year. But what it also kind of tells you is when you're playing catch-up, you simply can't afford to lose too many games. And losing three out of four points in back-to-back games, that makes it tough. What do we talk about? There was nine losses that you could live with, right? Yeah. And now they're down to seven. Now they got a point last one, game, yeah. so gauge that how you want. But essentially, it's it's that same number if you're looking at some, somewhere between seven to eight more losses, max. And that's if that's just if you want to get to 94 points. If the playoff bar is somewhere at 95, you're you're dwindling your your missed opportunities here. So. The gap just gets that much tougher, and so now they're on pace uh, for 89 points here, Sad. Yeah. That's a, a bit of a step there from 94 points, and you just all you can do right now, 22 games left, fold it into the next game and say, hey, how do we get two points out of this, out of tonight? I, I'm, I'm not going to do the, oh, they lost to these two games, they're not going to be able to get back in it, because that's just not true. But what it does, it makes the margins for the rest of this homestand very, very fine. We talked about it with uh, Corey Hirsch a little bit here. The next two games, you got to win. New Jersey and the Red Wings. That game against Calgary is the pivotal one. You, you can afford to maybe drop one point the rest of this, this homestand, but that's pretty much it. And even that's a bit of a push, but if you drop one point, you come out of it and say, okay, we, we picked up. 10 out of a possible 14. You need, we can live I, I, with I 10 think, out of a 14. I, I think you needed at least 10. Yes. At you, least 10. I think 10 keeps you keeps your forward momentum going. Puts you in a good spot, right? So you have 3 and 3. Yeah, you, man, it's tough. You need 7 of the next 8. That's just the reality, right? It, yeah. And it, it's tough, but the, these are the circumstances the Canucks have to deal in when you have that opening 25 games. It, it's... The margin for error is non-existent. You just you have to surpass even a standard. So when we talk about hey, ten or fourteen points on this homestand, that's just to keep the conversation alive, rather than it really get back into the race and be controllers of your own destiny. Ten or fourteen just kind of keeps you around, right? And that's just to prepare yourself for that seven-game stretch after the deadline, which is so be really many people tough. have been worried about. Well, you got three games against Vegas and two against St. Louis, and that's just five of the tough games. And, and toss in Colorado, toss in Dallas, and there who suddenly a really seven strong tough out. games. Well, and that's kind of what we talked about. The reason you have to kind of at least win, you know, five of these games is. You got to give yourself a little bit of cushion heading into that next stretch. Now, with the way Vegas is going, you can look at that as a golden opportunity. But you're, but to the texter's point, you're ch- you're chasing more than Vegas. 
you're chasing Dallas now too, right? And that's why these games in hand, you didn't want to let Dallas have so many games in hand and be able to get eight points clear. Because when, when you're within three to four points, five points even, that's a bridgeable gap. That can happen mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks if things kind of align, align for you. Especially if you're playing those teams. But once you start getting six, seven, eight points out, it's, it takes a real long time to close that gap. And uh, keep an eye on that Dallas Stars team. They've lost two in a row here. You kind of hope they lose a couple in a row. Otherwise, they can start putting some separation between themselves and the other teams in that wild card race. They've picked up some injuries as well. Uh, yeah. Heiskanen's going to be out. Well, it's not really an injury. Mono. Uh, but nevertheless, he's not in the lineup. Uh, that's a huge minute-eating demon that's going to be out of their lineup. Uh, and, and the Kings have some injuries too. Like I think that's another frustrating part too, Sat, is the Vancouver Canucks are very healthy. Yeah. Very healthy. And if, if they had good injury luck this year. No, they have. And, and, and somebody was asking us about fatigue for Thatcher Demko. Uh, says he looks a bit tired tonight. What do you guys think uh, about Thatcher Demko? That's from Jim in Abbotsford. This was his 15th straight appearance. And he's made 13 starts in those 15 games. He was the backup for two, but Yara Halak gets shelled and had to come in and play half the game anyways. Had to play two periods in one game and play more than half the other game that Yara Halak couldn't play. So when you've had 15 straight appearances, that makes it tough. And the only break he had was before that when he had a 10-day layoff. But when you're in COVID protocol and not skating, you're perhaps a little bit you know under the weather or whatever. He said he was fine, but that's not exactly a good positive rest. It's mentally exhausting, and you're also sitting in limbo. So there hasn't been a lot of breaks here for Thatcher Demko this season. To me, he doesn't really look tired, but I think it's fair to ask the question. There was that game uh, on that road trip against against the Toronto Maple Leafs when it looked like at the end uh, of that second period, he looked a little gassed or looked like he was dealing with something. You know he's fatigued. The question yeah. is, how much is it is it impacting his performance? I haven't seen that tonight. I saw you know the two goals that were scored. I can't sit here and say he didn't look like he was on top of his game. You know, he was sharp tonight. And you also got to remember, this is the most he's ever played in a season. So this was appearance 48 for him. Right? Like, you go back through the entirety of his career. Like, this is uncharted territory now for Thatcher Demko playing this many games. Now, he played, I think, 46 is, is high watermark in Utica. But, you know, you're still a young player learning to deal with the rigors of the professional game. Uh, this is the highest level and the highest amount of volume for a workload he's ever had to deal with. So you might just start to see a little bit of slippage in his play. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, you know, from where he was to where he could go is two totally different things. Because at a certain standard, he's still going to keep it. He's not going to become this 830 save percentage goalie or anything like that. But the, 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 the sparkling performances we saw early in the season might uh, be a little bit more infrequent. Well, we'll get to more of your analysis and also more of your reaction, but here is head coach Bruce Boudreau at the podium. You know, we know we're chasing the game these last four games and probably a lot more during the course of the season. But uh, uh, there's nothing more you can do other than warn them, show them, tell them, and then, you know, instead of... uh, the other team came out harder for the first 10 minutes, and that was that was it. I think they had 14 shots in the first 10 minutes, and then I thought uh, we finally said, okay, let's wake up. And sometimes when you're playing Stanley Cup champions and they got a 2 nothing lead, they're just not going to relinquish it. What can you tell us about Pedersen and the timeline with him being out of the line? I had stayed a day. So you had a pretty strong pushback in the third period. Uh, what did you like about that? Or was it enough that you saw well, enough? Evidently, it wasn't enough. But, I mean, we tried. We played really hard in the last two periods, I thought. 
Uh, we, you know, sometimes you're playing a world-class goalie, uh, you know, arguably the best goalie in the world, and we had some really great chances, and we couldn't get it by him, and we, we got one in, but uh, he, he was the one that was the difference maker in, for their team. Like, I mean, I thought Demko was outstanding and kept us in the game, but uh, uh, their guy um, uh, did the same thing for them. So second time you've had a high sticking call get overturned on video review and back to back games. Did you get what was the explanation for it on that one? Uh, that it was a follow through. And to which my question was, well, isn't he supposed to be in control of his stick? And uh, and the answer was, but it was a follow through. So I don't know. It hasn't been going offensively necessarily for Connor Garland, but you put him with. JT Miller and Tanner Pearson, what did you think of his night? And I guess you want guys to play to the whistle, and there was no whistle on that uh, yeah, on, on the first one. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I mean, he plays hard all the time. I mean, I, I move him, you know, and Besser between Horvat or, you know, more normally between Pedersen and back and forth, where I think, um, you know, if the chemistry is good one night, then they can play it. I did used to do the same thing with, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, Two players in Washington, Semin and Kozlov, and they'd play with Fedorov and uh, Backstrom. And when things were weren't going good, I just switched them for a couple games. And and I thought Garland was going tonight, and uh, uh, he made a great play on Miller's goal. So he's one of those guys that feeds off the energy of points. And so we, you know, we kept uh, we kept them obviously together. players' attitudes in, in terms of getting that faster start? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, get some psychologists in here and we'll work with them. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau after a 2-1 loss against Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Lightning here at Rogers Arena and said, I'll get some psychologists in here and we'll work with the guys Incredible. to not have slow starts anymore. So uh, Boudreau said, hey, what are you going to do? Sometimes the cup champions will take a two-goal lead and not relinquish it, and that's what they did tonight. But he did not seem too happy again with their start. Again, he says, we talked about it. I don't know what else to say. Very frustrated by their poor start again. Start calling him uh, Truth Boudreau. Yep. This is uh, it's unreal. Hey, man, he, he, he's nothing if not honest. Yeah. And you want a certain level of accountability? There you go. This this slow start, this disengagement in pivotal games. There's 22 games left, 23 coming into tonight. And you need to bring a, a certain level of performance. And to start, they didn't. And they had to raise their game as the game went along. But at that stage, you're playing from behind two goals. And so if you're Bruce Boudreaux, you have every right to be uh, a little concerned and a little aggravated uh, at why this keeps happening as they keep pushing for a playoff spot. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650. More of your phone calls on the other side. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. As the Canuck Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Kintec can help. Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations or online at K-I-N-T-E-C. .net. More coming up in the Home York Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, more of the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
right back to it. Pressured off the puck by Perry. Gets it in front one timer. They score. Ross Colton in the slot after Perry forced the turnover on the forecheck. And it's 2 0 Tampa. 5 06 into the first. There's nothing more you can do other than warn them, show them, tell them. And then, you know, instead of uh, the other team came out harder for the first 10 minutes. And that was, that was it. Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux after a 2-1 loss against the Tampa Bay Lightning here on home ice. Canucks have now lost two games in a row, 4-3 in overtime the other night against the Washington Capitals. And starting to lose some of that ground they made up in the playoff race. Still there, but a couple big losses making it a bit tougher for the Canucks as they keep their chase for the postseason alive. 22 games remaining on the season. This was game 60, already into the final quarter of the year. And the trade deadline is coming up next week. So it's not going to be long before we're staring at not this Monday, the next Monday when the trade deadline is here. And we'll see what the Canucks do or do not do at that point. And we'll see if they can start winning some games again. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You're toll free, one 275 650 on the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life. And Bick, uh... You know, we're going to go to the phone boards here in just a second, but a lot of reaction coming in on the text inbox. Obviously, a lot of frustration with the officiating, but also a lot of frustration with how the Canucks have started poorly in back-to-back games. Oh, absolutely. Uh, This one, Holden in Poco. Uh, Canucks puck support, some of the worst I've seen for a long time, or was I spoiled watching the Sedins? That's Holden in Poco. Dan from Ladner. Hello, gents. Uh, disappointed in number six tonight. Brock Besser soft on the wall. Alligator arms when the puck was up for grabs. Boudreaux saw enough. Didn't put him out for the last few minutes on the push. Uh, number six will be gone. Prediction from Dan from Ladner. And uh, more thoughts on uh, Besser and an un- unsigned text and Horvat as well. Extremely disappointed in the two. Uh, and Jacob says, hey, the 2-2 goal being weighed off was a bad call, but so is the 2-1 goal counting. Good teams overcome bad calls. Tampa did tonight, and the Canucks didn't. That's from Jacob in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Yeah, a lot of good thoughts coming in. Mo from Pitt Meadows. Why was Bruce putting the fourth line out in every offensive zone draw, it seemed? To be honest, there were one line that was kind of going tonight, and that Bo Horvat line really wasn't generating much. It really was JT Miller again. JT Miller and Garland, they did everything they could. I think a big reason why the coach kept throwing Lamico's line out there is because that Horvat and Besser line did next to nothing tonight. There's constant motion with Mott and Lamico and Highmore out there. Yeah, they had... I want to say three, four chances. Especially uh, in that first. Yeah. yeah. Mott had a couple. Highmore had one right in front of the net. Well, let's say he, a Vasilevsky save. Yeah. We actually made a nice move, and then Vasilevsky kicks out the pad to rob him. And then there's the other one where he takes the cross check in the back as well. Uh, so they were active. And so, look, I, I know they don't have the requisite talent to start burying goals regularly, but when you're creating chances and your legs are moving and you just have to compete, they were a line that was earning minutes, and so that's why Bruce Boudreaux tags them to, to go back out there. Now, Brad Hunt got out there late as well. I, I did think he had a decent game. He hit the post as well, and yeah. look, he's got a good shot. They were trying to shoot from distance. He can really rifle it, so that, that might be why he gets out there late. Uh, now, he had to play along the wall that puck gets past him, and, and it goes out into the neutral zone, but 
at that stage, you're just kind of searching for answers, and they weren't getting a lot of shots in the last five, six minutes. No, I, I think they got one or two in the well, final. Tampa five does such a good job of keeping things to the outside, man. When they decide to shut a game down, they essentially shut things down in the second half of that third period tonight. I mean, it just shows you the clinic they can put on, and we saw that in the postseason last year when games the Islanders like, yeah, you guys want to play uh, shut down hockey? We'll do it better than you, and that's how they won Game Seven. That is just a tremendous hockey team. Ella from Coquitlam, uh, do you guys expect Petey back soon? I don't know. Last year they said day-to-day, and then he missed the rest of the season. I certainly hope that's not the case this time around, but uh, we've heard too many times when it comes to injuries that a guy is day-to-day or something small. He should be back soon. The next thing you know, he's not back. We don't know. We'll find out. Hopefully it's not a long-term thing here for Elias Pettersson to miss the game tonight with an upper body injury. All right, uh, let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We start in Richmond where Sam is on the line. Sam, thanks for calling in, pal. Uh, What do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. You know, Sam, Sam, I have to give you... uh props that you actually called out the media today, which you always do, and good for you. I'm sorry, calling out the rest today, not the media. Oh, the okay. Rest. Don't worry, <laughs> I, was like, don't worry. I mean, we're happy to do either. <laughs> yeah, either way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Call out the rest, but honestly, uh, the rest tonight were disgusting. I mean, I thought it was bad the other night. Um, it got worse. I mean, the mist, uh, the puck was loose on the one thing, and then Luke Shen the other night. Like, I don't understand. Oh, and the high-sticking play too i just don't understand how they can review a play but when they go back uh for the uh the um puck that was loose they can't review it like i it's just all over the place honestly i think the nhl needs to get better rest because this was and honestly and i'll finish quickly here it really does change the outcome of the game i know they have a slow start which they do pretty much every game but it really determines like if you think about it it was really 2-2 instead of 2-1 if they counted that one. So anyhow, thanks, guys. Hey, I got your frustration. Thanks, Sam. So on the Mott high sticking, so because it was a double minor, the referees do have the option to review the play to confirm or not the original call. This is just the rule. But but it's an option and not an obligation. Yes, it, it deliberately says the refs still have the option, Parentheses, but not the obligation to review the video of the play. Now there was a TV timeout. They maybe exercise the the benefit of time in that moment, and they go and review it. And you go through that process, and then you talk about what the the actual ruling of high sticking. It goes through to say uh, players must be in control and responsible for the stick. However, a player is permitted accidental contact on an opponent if the act is committed as a normal wind-up or follow-through of a shooting motion. Now, in that moment, Chernak is trying to slap the puck away into the corner and up the wall, and as he's doing so, does follow through into Tyler Mott's face. Now, if they never call that a double minor, I think we're talking about a completely different scenario because they don't go and review the penalty. You can only do that on a double minor because it's called a double minor. I think they went about it all the, the right way, it just looks a bit clunky, but everything they did was technically correct. Well, here is the issue that I have, and this is my issue with video review to begin with, and that's why I've gotten to the point where I'm like, just review whether the goals got scored or not. Sure. Right? Because you, you review that arbitrarily depending on when you have the option to do so, but you can't review the Connor Garland play, mm-hmm. where Vasilevsky never has the puck. The, cl- the puck is clearly not frozen. That was a very quick whistle. And the rest didn't, ref didn't even whistle when he scored. Like, the whistle wasn't even blown yet. He was intending to blow the whistle. So he got the benefit of doubt. We can't review that play, which clearly should have been a goal. 
that's my issue here, is what you can review, what you can't review, and then you're left in a game like this where a very clear situation where a goal should have been scored cannot be reviewed, but then they'll arbitrarily review a high stick, which they were reviewing for a four-minute penalty instead of a two-minute penalty. And if Mott's not trying to get the double minor, which he should because he's bleeding a little bit, or it seems to be, this maybe never happens. But again, it's the frustration about what you can review and what you can't review. And it, and it did cost the Canucks on the Garland goal. And listen, that icing, and I know you know Hershey mentioned that it was icing, that wasn't icing. And I went back and looked at the rule. He wasn't near the puck. Chernak's not near the puck. You can't get called. You can't beat a puck for icing, even if you're at the hash, when you're that far away from the puck. And he took a bad angle over the ice, too. If he goes directly towards the puck, maybe he does beat Garland to that play. But I think the refs actually got that play right. Because of where Cernak was when the puck went through, he wasn't at the hash yet when the puck had gone behind the net. And by the time the puck went to the other side, he hadn't gone cross either. So that's just my thought on that icing call that people were refer- referring to as well. We'll go back to the uh, text message inbox coming up in a second. But let's go back to the phone boards and go to Aiden and Terrace. Aiden, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? How's it going, boys? Um, Good, man. So, um, that was a really good game by the Canucks. It was too bad they came out with the loss because they've been been pushing hard. It's just been a pleasure watching them, but those two losses had a a big impact on their um, overall um, places in the standings, and hopefully they can get back on route and um, try making the playoffs. But if they don't make the playoffs, um, this year, and they and Bruce Bruger is still with the Canucks next year. I feel like they have a real big shot of um, making the playoffs and going uh, pretty far next year. Hey, Aiden, thanks for the phone call. So Aiden still believes in the head coach and the core of this team. Let's keep going on the phone boards, and let's go to Vancouver where Greg is on the line. Greg, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? All right, uh, we just dropped that, so let's go to Gary in Coquitlam. Gary, Gary in Maple Ridge. Gary, thanks for calling in. Uh, do you have me right now? Yes, I got you. Uh, I was. Gl- I talked to your producer about the uh, slow start, and uh, just to let you know, I saw, I'm a Tampa Bay fan. I've uh, they uh, they hit like a brick. There are, and uh, I believe I'm, I'm. I agree with Hershey. Uh, they're all big men. Most of them. They're not. They're not young kids. They're all big guys. The first goal was a was a four check. The second goal, Hedman, who was six six, was on the side of the net. I don't understand why the Canucks cannot be ready for this in the first 30 seconds. And I know why. It's because they're too small, guys. It's that simple. I want to hear your comments. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for the phone call. That is Gary calling in. You heard Boudreaux be super frustrated, too, uh, with the officiating, or sorry, with the poor start in that first period. And he mentioned, you know, maybe getting psychologists in here. I'm not sure what else I can do, what else I can say to get these guys engaged. But... When I look at how this team has tried to play and those three games before this Capitals game and then the game tonight, they probably had their three best starts of the season in a row. Yeah. You know, you, you, you look back at those three games. It, it started with that game against the Islanders where they played really well. And they ended up winning 4-3 all over the Leafs in that first period, took the lead, go on to win that game, even though the Leafs did push back a little bit. And against the Habs, great start again. They win that hockey game. And we talked about how, okay, are they maturing? Are they, are they overcoming the inconsistencies and the habits of kind of the habits waning after a couple of good games or whatever? And hopefully this is a moment where they're overcoming those things. 
Well, this is now two games in a row and two very critical games against two really good opponents where they simply haven't been ready to play to start off again. And that, that's a troubling sign. And I'm trying not to get too negative here because I, I, you know, we were kind of positive actually after that Capitals game because, hey, they found a way to get a point out of it. It's not always going to be pretty. But you needed a point. You got one. You can live with it. Let's move on and see what you can do against Tampa. I can handle losing against Tampa. They're a good hockey team. They're a great hockey team. They have an incredible goaltender. But you can't be getting off to these types of starts because you're starting to look at, okay, what are the signs you give me and what are the things you do that you can tangibly look at and say, okay, this is why I believe they can get in. This is why I believe they can continue this pace. And to continue these things, they have to mature as a team. They have to be better with their starts. And when they are, they win. They're more successful. But you can't have games like this again where two in a row against two of the best teams you've faced where you're simply not ready to play again. Such is the standard in the NHL, right? It, it, and it feels, if it feels like such a big task, guess what? It is. Like, winning at this level is a difficult thing. And the great teams make it look easy. And they're able to be consistent with their effort. They're a- able to be consistent for long stretches of play. And you watch Tampa Bay tonight. I, I know there was a couple of chances there in the second period, but the third period, man, they they know how to sand away a game. They know how <laughs> to make they it ever? difficult Do for they? you, and just it just feels like you're just getting squeezed out after so long. I mean, it, it was not like that Washington team that no. came in here, right, where the Canucks started leaning on them. They weren't able to generate nearly as much against Tampa, especially those final seven, eight minutes. It was like almost nothing doing at that point, and you just kind of give a lot of credit to how that Tampa Bay Lightning team just finds a way to be successful. A lot of good reaction coming in to the text inbox, 650-650. Uh, Caesar in Richmond, th- uh, think we hit a stampede of bad zebras this road trip or this homestand, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> stampede of bad zebras. That's strong. That is I, very strong. I like it. Um, Aaron from Hamilton. I don't get how Bruce seems so out of ideas about what to do with these slow starts. He and the staff need to figure out how to get these guys going. Yes, do bring in psychologists. This is a legit idea. Do something outside the box, Bruce. Well, that's Aaron from Hamilton. And, hey, you always talk about coaching, getting guys prepared. But this is something, big that is going back to two coaches now in two seasons. Yeah. You know, I made the joke when Boudreau mentioned... I think it extended past two seasons. Wait, wait. So that Devils game, remember when the Canucks lost 7-2 and Boudreau just couldn't believe it? Yeah. He's like, I'm shocked at the start. And my reaction was, the only reason Bruce is shocked is because he hasn't been here that long. <laughs> We've seen this for two yeah. years now. So this goes beyond coaching. It goes back to what's been said now. You, you've had the coaching change. The slow start part, the self-preparation part, falls squarely on the players, and especially the leadership group of those players. Realistically, the last five losses... You can attribute to slow starts. Yeah, you go the Islanders six three loss, the Anaheim seven four loss, the Jersey seven two loss, and then the last two here at home ice to watch in Tampa Bay. What would be the consistent theme? Slow starts. It's, it's not officiating every night. It's not a power play every night. You know what it is? Slow starts, and that's part like that's part of this team's DNA and has been for some time now. And look, it's great. You put a three game sample together against the Islanders there on the third, the Maple Leafs, and and the the, the Montreal Canadiens to start off this homestand. Three games is not a habit make, and too often uh, this habit of slow starts and playing from behind and behind the eight ball, that's kind of what this team's identity is. Well, yeah, and you know what? Like When you see them play well, though, and they have the good starts, you see what they're capable of doing more consistently, and that's what kind of gets really frustrating at times when you're watching this hockey team. Uh, let's go back to the phone board. 604-280-0650, your toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to Maple Ridge again where Jeff is on the line. Jeff, thanks for calling in. Uh, what, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, yeah, 
Guys, I've seen I've seen a handful of games now, more than a handful of games, and I've been to half a dozen of them now. Mm-hmm. My my frustration is actually pointed at two players particularly, and that being our captain Horvat and and Besser. Too many times, I know they're in the lineup, but I don't know that they're in the game. And when we talk about slow starts or possible, you know, setting a tone for the team, you typically want your captain to be leading that. When clearly the tone setter for the Canucks is Miller. Miller and Garland are all over the ice every shift. Where I can go a full shift or a, a full period, period and a half, and wonder if Horvat is even playing. So it's it's I'm really frustrated at at that as far as um, the leadership goes. So you know I I don't know I don't know if it's time. Like we keep talking about. Who are we going to, you know, guys that we're trading or guys that we're... The face of our franchise should be Miller and Garland and Demko. Those are the three the non-starters as far as guys that I want to move. Backline, Hughes, Pedersen, obviously, but Hughes and Ekman Larson. But I'm really getting disappointed. I'm really getting frustrated with the lack of intensity uh, from our captain. So I'd like to hear what you guys have to think about that. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That is Jeff calling in. And, you know, we were talking about this on the pregame show, Bick, and, you know, we gave Bo Horvat credit last game, but strong third period, scored two goals, and had the type of performance we wanted to see from him after talking about how people and, and the leaders on this team need to step up. Complete opposite tonight. Like, it was not an effective night for Bo Horvat. And Brock Besser, same thing. And especially on that first goal that got scored in the game, it was Horvat and Besser who were the biggest culprits puck watching on that Hedman goal and you know we broke it down in our intermission but uh, at that point Hedman was the guy that Horvat had to keep an eye on and he was kind of covering him and like you mentioned at that point things that broken down was man to man make sure you got your guy Horvat goes to the far post loses track of Hedman who just walks between Horvat and Besser who's standing and not doing anything but puck watching as well comes in and bangs home the rebound you can't let that happen that's two critical players just standing and watching the play defensively and when you're not providing offense you're not pushing the pace on the other side you can't be making mistakes like that so you know as far as trades and all that sort of stuff who knows what happens this offseason we'll see what happens and ultimately uh, how this management team views Horvat and Besser and the core and what they ultimately do with it but I would agree that a game like this especially with Pedersen now they really needed Bo Horvat to go they needed Besser to go and neither guy was able to step up tonight yeah and uh, just taking a look at the shift chart right here Brock Besser we alluded to it earlier uh, one shift in the last five minutes. Now it was it was a minute long shift, but you know he didn't get on the ice a lot in the last ten minutes. Just two shifts. Uh, so talking about that moment, I, I imagine you know Bruce Boudreau, uh thought about some plays earlier in the game. That Hedman goal that we talked about. He's staring at Maroon, who goes makes a play. Uh, Horvat, same thing. Hedman makes that play because Horvat's waiting for the puck to come out the other end for no particular reason, and. It was reflected uh, in the ice time late in the game uh, with Besser only getting a shift. And I think Horvat only got one shift in the final mi- five minutes here, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't play. That's why the Lamco line got out there more. They were better. They were more effective. That's what I mentioned. Outside of the Miller-Garland line, that was really going because Garland was probably the best Canuck tonight outside of Thatcher-Demko. It was a Lamco line. The Horvat-Besser line had nothing tonight. Nothing. I have no issue with Bruce throwing that Lamico line out there. They were generating. They were doing something. They were on top of things, at, at least. At least they were effort, They had the effort. They were going to some degree. 
I would say, though, I think where Bruce did get it wrong, and we talked about it on the pregame show, about we understand why you're trying it, and I'm not going to sit here in hindsight and say I would have done differently, but the Ham and Nick Hughes pair didn't work tonight. No. And I understand trying it, and yeah. we talked so much about Luke Shen, too, maybe not being a long-term fixture, but in, in the short term, has been fantastic. Ironically, I thought Luke Shen may have been the next best defenseman tonight. Not only was he physical, he was he was stopping chances, he was skating hard, he was all over the place. That call, the cross-checking call, of all the calls that have been talked about tonight, maybe that was, was agreed, the worst one. Maybe the worst one was that cross-check call on Luke Shen where he has one hand on the stick and he pushes Killorn over and gets a penalty for it. But Hamannick had a tough time. We talked about how he's played a lot better. The second goal that happened, he just flubs the puck, and I thought him and Hughes had a hard time as a pair this evening. Yeah, and especially because we were highlighting Hamannick's contributions in the offensive end, right? And there were a couple of moments again today where you know, puck goes onto his stick, and you know, not trying to create anything or make a better play. It's just how quickly can I rifle it towards the net? And I get it, you know, puck towards the net can cause ha- havoc, uh, but too often Hamannick kind of shoots from awkward platforms just for the sake of getting it off his stick. Uh, one shot on goal today, two. Two missed uh, on net, and then he ends up with a dash two in 18 minutes. Uh, as far as effectiveness, uh, not a lot of it from Travis Hamannick tonight. No, and not a ton of it this evening. A lot of good texts coming in. I love Bo, does the hard stuff, but Besser has to go. Jordan from Vancouver, though, says, When was the last time Horvat was the difference maker? And uh, Duncan says, I agree with Jeff. Robin Hang Victoria- on really quickly. You would look at the last game. Yes, uh, yes, exactly. And yeah. uh, well, I was going to say, you can also go back to the bubble where everybody talks about, but, you know, Jordan from Vancouver says that. Uh, but Rob from Victoria says, not sure about that last caller. Garland is too inconsistent. Horvat does more for the team than people give him credit for. Besser was invisible tonight. The one guy that is getting a lot of criticism across the board is Brock Besser. A bit of a split when it comes to Bull Horvat, but Brock Besser, there seems to be some agreement on how he performed tonight and has been performing uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, keep getting your thoughts in. I like this one. Since they only seem to call and text in when the Canucks win, this is the team Benning created after a loss. So we get those when, when they win. <laughs> this is Benning's team! And when they lose, this is Benning's team! It's like both sides coming out, oh. guns a-blazing, after, after every win and every keep, loss. Keep your receipts. Well done. <laughs> well done with the texture. Well played. I like it. All right, uh, let's go back to the phone boards. Uh, let's go to Delta, where Juggy is on the line. Juggy, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, Sad. Hey, Bick. Uh, thanks so much um, for all the support on the anthems uh, that I've done this season, man. Um, really means right a lot. On. <laughs> You've been killing it, Juggy. I'm telling you, man. Oh, like, you're, you're crushing oh, it on dude. the anthems. No, and, and you guys have been crushing it on the post-game shows. I, I love the analysis, and I have to agree with you guys. And, and one thing that really troubled me tonight was the the refing uh, when, you know, they had a chance to tie the game, and Garland, you know, technically he scored there, right? And, and that should have been a tie game. And, you know, especially with playoff implications, especially with huge games like this, there should have been a review on that play. Um, you know, I kind of go back to, and, and this was a few years ago. I don't know if you guys would be able to find it, but there was this goal that the Canucks scored. It was against St. Louis. It was a wild game. Uh, it was in uh, when Willie D was still around. It was like two, 2015. And, they, and the refs blew the quick whistle, but the goal still counted because it kind of got past Allen. It was a March game. It was a, it was a 6-5 thriller in overtime. And and I just kind of wonder what the difference is between yeah. sort of that and what, what happened here tonight. Um, the other thing I just wanted to really point out was 
um, it, it, it seems like the Canucks are in this sort of force field, right? It's like you brought, you bring yourself back into the playoff conversation. Teams are losing critical games, uh, you know, uh, and, and you're still in this mix. But yet it's like whenever they get closer, it's like uh, <laughs> they, they just kind of worry or they, they don't know um, how, to, how to carry that consistency forward. And, you know, I think that's, that's where it comes down to for me, the, the theme of the missed opportunities, right? And, you know, we could talk about trading players and, you know, I'm, I'm, I know you guys have done that at nauseam, but for me, <laughs> and I've said this, you know, with uh, just talking to Drancer and, and, and on other podcasts, and I said, um, you know, JT Miller is a huge engine for this team. And if you're going to trade him, uh, you, you need to get something bonafide back. And he's been all over this team, I would say that we need more more players like that to drive the offense. Um, you know, and in, in terms of Horvat, I know uh, some people will talk about his playoff pedigree, and he's performed well in the playoffs, right? But these yeah. are big games as well. And, you know, um, and, and Horvat, you know, he's an honest guy. I'm sure he'd tell you that there's been inconsistencies in his game as well. Uh, we all have them, <laughs> including myself. But again, you know, you kind of you kind of look at Horvat and you know, these are big games too, and he needs to come in more for you. So, uh, you know, I, um, and, and now we're going to be playing New Jersey who we just, yeah. for some bizarre reason, we just never beat at all. Uh, those, them and Anaheim. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting rest of the way here, but, uh, you know, I, like I said, I really appreciate you guys and looking forward to what you guys have to say. Hey, Juggy, you always crush it, man. Appreciate it. Make sure to follow, follow Juggy on Twitter, at Juggy Jag. Great anthems here and also has great music, so you can always check him out and always appreciate his thoughts. And as far as, you know, JT Miller goes, I mean, as much as, you know, the trade deadline is still looming and, you know, they lose and lose ground, that makes things a bit more difficult as opposed to holding things together here. But unless somebody is, is honestly, like Juggy mentioned, giving you a godfather offer or a bona fide star or something really high level, he's not going anywhere at the deadline. No. And I think that's probably the right way to play this for Patrick Alvine, Jim Rutherford, and the entire uh, Canucks management staff. Uh, until your interest is truly peaked, I would imagine the best offer you have right now is probably a similar offer you're going to see right. come draft day and, and into the offseason. So you have the luxury of time and Let's be real. They're in a playoff push. You don't need to uh, accelerate any selling conversations. And we did get a text earlier on uh, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, unsigned here. says, hey, Jance, uh, how many losses in the homestand do you think will make Alvin decide to really sell? What are your thoughts on this team being a seller versus staying the course? And the truth is uh, staying the course is probably the most prudent and most likely scenario. But we talked about it, that They need to get 10 points out of this homestand. So through three games, they've gotten three points. Uh, if they are to tr- turn into a true seller, you're probably looking at, what, four more points over the remaining four games, and that probably dusts off your season. Yeah. Uh, if they hover around 10, then you look at it and you say, well, we'll go with this group until the end of the season. We don't have to force any decisions here. But these next uh, four games are going to be pivotal. Yeah. It, it, like, like every game is every, pivotal. Every, right every game is, right? And every regulation loss feels like two or three losses, like Boudreaux mentioned, you know, a, a few games back after they lost that game against the New Jersey Devils. Keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox. I like this one. Are you kidding me? Corvette is better than Garland, and Garland is inconsistent. Is, is Horvat's new nickname Corvette? 
I, I think, I think that's, it's uh, autocorrect. But that would be yeah. a funny one, Corvette, because I'm not a big Corvette guy, to be honest. Take your can, uh, can, uh, Canucks goggles off, please. Yes, sir, and Horvat have, has been in Vancouver too long with a bad culture. Uh, it's like Hall and Yakupov in Edmonton. So that's uh, one text coming in here uh, about things. Uh, one thing that Juggy mentioned, and we're going to take more of your calls on the other side here, so keep, hang on to your uh, phone lines. We're going to get to you on the other side. But he mentioned he's seen calls before where goal where referees do review whether a goal should have been scored or not, if the whistle was blown or not. I have seen those being reviewed, but the official was so sure or was so adamant that he was going to freeze the puck, he wasn't going to review it. Intent to blow. Intent to blow. So if, if his intent to blow was whatever, it, he's not going to review it. Sometimes, though, they will go back and review things if they don't feel like they called the whistle in time or whatever, but the official was so adamant that he was intending to blow the whistle that he did not bother going to review. So that's probably why you see the discrepancy sometimes. It's frustrating. Yeah, like I agree with that like that one was brutal. Just because it, you know, so often when we talk about penalties and you say, "Oh, it ruined their chance to get into the game." Well, you still have to convert a goal yeah. on a power play. You still have to get the penalty kill and kill it off. This one was directly taking a goal off of the board. Yeah, and it wasn't like, "Hey, they were offside." Like Tampa Bay was earlier in the first period for that three nothing goal. This was just half a beat longer, and Connor Garland has another goal on his season. Right, and. It's it's very, very frustrating to see that one uh, directly pulled off the scoreboard. No question about that. All right, keep getting your thoughts in and keep keep grabbing phone lines. We'll get to that. As the Canuck Central postgame show rolls on, presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Kintech can help. Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations. We're online at K-I-N-T-E-C dot net. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Where an Orthotics Canucks postgame show. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. As the Lightning in transition got the puck up quickly to Kalorn, who had a partial break but missed the net. The Canucks in on the forecheck. Garland gets it in front for Miller. He scores! Eric Chernak was slow back to the puck on the back check. It would have been icing, but Garland got to it first and fed to Miller all alone in the slot. The point streak goes to 12 games, and it's 2-1. to one. Canucks lose, but the point streak lives on. 12 now for JT Miller, the lone goal scorer for the Canucks as they lose 2-1 on home ice against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 275 0650. We are going to go to the phone boards momentarily here, Bick, but a lot of reaction flooding in to our text inbox, 650-650. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, called back goal. Uh, I think what the term we used was intent to blow. A uh, good unsigned text here. Hashtag intent to blow the call. Uh, <laughs> nice creativity <laughs> yeah, as well. Into our good. Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one from Todd says, I think the Canucks' slow starts aren't acceptable, and Canucks need consistency to win games, and they need Spider-Man to fix this team. <laughs> you see Spider-Man in New York, by the way? No. 
He was saving people in the subway or chasing after criminals in the subway. Really? You didn't see this? No. I'll go check, this check out. it out. It's not actually but some dude oh, dressed up as Spider-Man running around, jumping over platforms. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. All right, I can't <laughs> wait to go check this out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this one, uh, Oliver Coquillum, we got hosed on the double minor for high staking. Two games in a row. I expect to see the boys in full face shields next game. At least we get two-minute power play, so no reviews will be triggered. That's Oliver in Coquitlam. And this one, Renfrew Mario. That was a team a shelf above us. We squandered a lot of games in the soft part of the schedule. Washington and Tampa back-to-back was physically challenging hockey. That's Renfrew Mario. And actually, one last one here. Unsigned. Let's play a game called Iconic Duos. Can you name a better duo than the Canucks and Slow Starts? That's what I thought. It is iconic. I, I would maybe select Henrik and Daniel Sedin. How about Brady and Gronk? Well, Canucks Iconic Duos. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was thinking of, I'm talking of Tom Brady back again. Yes. Henrik and Daniel, of course. Todd Bertuzzi and Marcus Naslund. Eddie Lack, Roberto Luongo. Yeah. Iconic Duos. I like it. I like it. Yeah, Shane O'Brien and Rocks like Eddie Gregory told us. That's a good one, too. I like it. Uh, all right, keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox. Like our friend Jeff Rose says, this weekend was a huge chance for the Canucks to gain some serious ground, and they blew it. Vegas opened the door, and the Canucks answered by going down 2 nothing early in both games this weekend. That's from Jeff Rowe texting into the text inbox, 650-650. I'll go back to the phone board, to the text inbox here in a second, but let's go to the phone boards. I mean, go to Tawasson, where Mateo is on the line. Mateo, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have Hello. for tonight buddy hey hello can you hear me yes we hear you well so me and my dad we were actually at the game mm-hmm. and on that one play where garland scored we could clearly see that vasilevsky never had it and it clearly went in it was quite frustrating and also on the high stick from our angle it looked like that he hit him in the face after the after he shot it so mm-hmm. there's another blown Refing call and that was just—it was just unbelievable how like bad the officiating was, and also like lots of people have been saying I couldn't even notice Besser out there, and like he definitely needs to be traded. I feel, and yeah, so that's about it that I have for tonight. And thank you for having me. And I wonder who will want to trade for Besser. Hey, uh, Mateo, rack him. Like some, uh, yeah. another good phone call. Call in next game, Mateo. Hey, call in again. That's a good phone it, call. And it's it, also a next-gen night. It's next-gen night. We had we had a, a 10-year-old Maxwell doing the uh, uh, PA announcing today. Okay. We had some great performers pregame. The, I, I didn't Ethan catch on it. the ukulele. Dude, the, Ethan crushed it. So we were doing pregame. It was hard for us to yes. you know really listen to it. And even during intermission when he came, he crushed it. it like great. I want to I go back and listen do you have this somewhere? Can I go and listen to, to Ethan's music? Elite he crushed stuff. it. And Mateo wrapping up the night strong on next Great day, phone right? call. call. And he asked, like, who can trade for him? And keep an eye on the Penguins in the offseason. I'll yeah. say that. We'll it's, see you at the deadline, but keep it, an eye on that. Too. It, it just feels like it's going to be tough before the deadline. Because right now, yeah. if you're making a trade with the Penguins, uh, or if you're making any trade, what are you trying to acquire? You're trying to acquire a D-man. Yeah. And the Penguins are a team that gets linked to... The, the Canucks right now, obviously, with Rutherford and Clancy and Alvin and that whole regime. Um, but they're in a playoff run. 
they're not going to trade off for the right side of the D-man, even if they're down on John Reno, yeah. unless you're getting something in to, to, to supplement that in return. And it, once you do that, the money just doesn't work. No. You, you can't in, put in Tyler Myers. I mean, you could, but it's just too difficult. And talking about retentions and all this sort of stuff, uh, I, I just it just feels like something that, that happens maybe in the summer. Well, and I saw somebody text in and say, when Bester skates, you can see he's, he's awkward because he's moving his upper body mm-hmm. before his lower body. And the motion's really awkward. But once he gets going, he's not bad. When we had the stat a few games ago, he was the fastest skater in a game. And he clocked in at over 25 miles an hour, which is a pretty good pace in an mm-hmm. NHL game, especially with the stats that we look at. So it's not like he's not capable of moving. It's why is it so hard for him to generate speed? It's, is there a way for you to work on that? And, you know, it's a question. He's still a guy that can score a lot, but is he a guy that is going to be able to find that next gear? And how important is that to you if you want to sign into a big contract? And these are the questions the team has to kind of ask itself and try to figure out. Uh, let's go back to the phone boards. 604-280-0650. Uh, we go to Surrey, where our friend Gavin is on the line. Gavin, thank Thanks for calling in, pal. And what do you have for us tonight? Gavin. Hi, Gavin. Yes, hello. Oh, I'm a Kevin, actually. Kevin, oh, Kevin. okay. Hey, all right, Kevin, Close we got enough. you. I, I all right. a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that I'm just talking about a couple points. I got Miller and uh, Horvat. Mm-hmm. Miller leads on the ice for the offense, for sure. That's without a doubt. Best, or, I mean, uh, Horvat, is, he's a good leader, just he can keep his cool. He's like a Hendrick Sedin. He keeps his cool. You can't have a hot head as a captain. You don't change it halfway through, especially if you keep both guys. Mm. And on Besser, yeah, say goodbye. The guy, he alligated ever since his injury. He, he doesn't he doesn't get to the puck first. That's the biggest thing with our forecheck, because our guys are trying to get that puck first and create trouble. And they've been doing a good job. The refing, even including the Montreal game, was brutal. We didn't bitch about it just for the fact that <laughs> we won, right? Yeah. Um, why is it on the West Coast? It's like it doesn't matter. Vancouver, oh, well, we can call a bad call. They're used to it. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's a good good question, Kevin. And you know what? Like, I mean, officiating has been in a a concern across the league. Well, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, I, in Vancouver we see this a lot, and it's a good question. It does seem like it's been a lot with Vancouver this year, but if you look around the league, the Colorado Avalanche went Landis through this. this week, yeah. Even the Toronto Maple Leafs had a game where they lost in overtime where, you know, Matthews gets hooked and they're absolutely livid, but, hey, that's how it went. Officiating this season has been some of the worst officiating we've seen in the NHL, and that's been pretty bad. And I know guys have made the point that if you go back and to every year, you're going to find these same arguments. But the game is only getting faster now. Exactly, right? And I think this year, too, there's so many moments where you're seeing the officiating be questionable in big moments. And... I haven't seen it quite. Like, the last couple of weeks has been some of the worst in-season, regular season officiating that I've seen. And maybe it's just kind of happening at once and it makes us think that. But, you know, there is a lot of frustration to how, that's, how that stuff all is going and unfolding. Uh, uh, before we get to the phone line again, all, right. uh, all the texts are coming in for Mateo. Uh, just just crushing it. it it's, we seldom see love like this in the text message inbox, uh, let alone when players are scoring goals. Uh, they're all coming in for Mateo. Mateo spinning the most truth I've heard from a caller on the postgame show. Loved it. That's Connor from Olympic Village, amongst with many other texts that are coming in on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. You got love in the text inbox if you make good phone calls, and that's we what We don't happened. get love like that in the inbox. No, man, Shoot. but Mateo, man, he, he's gunning for it. I like it. <laughs> Keep ringing it. You're always welcome to call in. All right, let's go to Burnaby, where Leo is on the line. Leo, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Thank you for taking my call. I always enjoy your show. Yeah, I too have a lot of love for Mateo. I thought it was a great call. <laughs> Terrific. 
Okay, a little bit of statistical facts, and I'll keep it short. Um, it's a known fact that the team that scores the first goal, they win 60% of their, their games. So um, 60% of 82 games is 48 games. 48 times 2 points is 96 points, which is what you need to make the playoffs. So getting that first goal is so critical, and it's, I, I sense so much frustration from people tonight that we don't get that first goal, and then we're fighting an uphill battle again. Yeah, and hey, thanks for the phone call. And, and you know, he's absolutely right. In earlier parts of this season, the Canucks could never score the first goal. Every game they were being scored on first, and they had to chase. It's been a big issue for this team. But for Bud- under Boudreaux, for the most part, they have scored first. These last couple games, however, it has not gone that way. Yeah, I, I tend to kind of overlook the, the first goal stuff. Um, it's important, I get it. Well, but against a team like Tampa. Against a team like Tampa Bay, it matters a great deal. But generally speaking, like I think the stat is specifically 67%, and you go through it, the team that scores the second goal in the game typically wins 67% of the time. Games, the team yeah. that scores the third goal in the win, in a game scores the six, wins goes on to win 67% of the time. The, the, the truth is goals change games, no matter when they are scored. Yeah. And your goal is never to score one goal in a game. You're always pushing to get the second one or the third one. Right. So in general, you go through the stats, it, it winds up to being somewhere between 68 and 64%, depending on what goal it is. Uh, and, and that's the team that wins the game. But... It's more about just your effectiveness to start games. Yeah, and well, that's that's too the often. Thing. Yeah, it, it's it goes back to a process results thing. We can talk about the first goal, and you can get lucky sometimes and score the first goal. Doesn't mean you're playing well. Well, like the goal Kuznetsov scored yeah. the first goal the other night. I mean, it bounced in, but the issue was Washington was carrying the play. Yes, and too often the Canucks are passengers to start the game. Yeah, and they wind up pulling one out of their own net. It's it's more about. The, the symptom of your play than it is the actual outcome of one goal going in and, and it, it's sinking your game. Yeah, it really is. All right, let's go back to the phone boards uh, and we check in with Ali in Surrey. Ali, thanks for calling in. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, guys. Uh, I was just at the game today, too. Uh, clearly, you can tell my voice is going. Um, <laughs> just just saying, refs, you suck. I mean, it happened so many times. <laughs> Obviously, the refing was horrendous. And honestly, I think uh, props to the Tampa Bay coach for letting Vasilevsky play today and not yesterday. Because yeah. end of the day, Vasilevsky won that game. Just like how Demko did it for us, Vasilevsky did it for the Lightning. That's hey, all. you're right, Ali. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, you know, we talked to Corey Hirsch about that at the start of the of the uh, post-game show here. Just the decision by John Cooper to go to Brian Elliott yesterday. They get outshot by, you know, get 50 shots on goal. They lose in Edmonton. They go to Vasilevsky tonight, and he absolutely was tremendous for them to win this game. Not every team can feel confident in doing so because they looked at it and said, hey, maybe we win the first game, and then we have a chance to win the second game too. They were trying to go for both games. What often teams do that aren't at that level, they try to make sure they get the two points. It's like, okay, sure, I want to get four out of four, but I don't want to get blanked. So let's put our focus on winning the first one, and we'll worry about the second one later. I love the call, and I love the philosophy behind it, but you have to have confidence in your team to do so. And it helps when you have a goalie to Andre <laughs> Vasilevsky's level. Is he good? It, it, it's not as if they're uh, throwing... I don't know, name me a team. like Jonathan He might Quick. be the best goalie in the league. No, I, I'm just saying. It's, it's not as if it's like Cam Talbot, right? It's like, yeah. oh, we'll, we'll play our starter in the second and end of back-to-back. Because Cam Talbot, how many games is he, is, is he going to steal in a year? 
maybe two. Right. Andre Vasilevsky can steal the game a week, essentially. And so you, you look at that guy and say, hey, we can play it this way because of the quality of our goaltender. It's not just, hey, we'll throw our starter in. Like, there's a difference between uh, philosophy and practicality and the practicality of how the Tampa Bay Lightning can do this right. was a lot better because... It's Andre Vasilevsky. How many how many teams can play it this way? If you go through like which teams have elite level goaltending, it's essentially uh, Tampa with Vasilevsky, the Rangers with Shesterkin, the Canucks with Demko, maybe Soros and what? Maybe Markstrom. Perhaps that's, that's probably the entire list. Yeah, and some of those things you have to have a really strong team that'll feel like you can get this through. All right, we have time to squeeze one more call in here before the top of the hour. Uh, all right, we'll take more calls on the other side if you want to grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. We'll play some audio back as well. You want to hear from uh, Connor Garland and OEL, plus Ian McIntyre is going to join us on the postgame show as well. A lot of great thoughts coming in through Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Dan the Watch Guy says, is there a place for VAR in hockey, V-A-R? Well, I mean, essentially, you know, video review does exist. I don't know if it'll get implemented the way it does in soccer. Yeah. The game is just too different. And it's, at least in soccer, there's a very specific line. It's easy to measure it. Especially for the offside, right? Yeah. There is so much gray in in second-to-second second play in hockey. I don't know how you would well, It's that, that, too. And somebody texted in and said, hey, if you kind of watch, the, the whistle was blown before Garland puts the puck in. And if the whistle is blown, the play is dead. And, you know... So it kind of comes back to that again. I don't think anyone's disputing that. The, the, the thing people are disputing why is why, you to, why, why we right. the whistle when and the puck's that, clearly and visible. That, and that kind of comes back to what Juggy called in and said, hey, how come they didn't review that call? And it kind of comes down to when the whistle was blown or when the official intended to blow the whistle. And sometimes they say, yeah, we're not going to review it. I blew my whistle. I'm not going to let something happen after the whistle. Too bad. And that's kind of the sense on that play. But clearly the puck is loose in that place. And I'm kind of out of spot now, Bic. And I say this, and the Canucks had a goal taken away from Tampa on the offside review, which would have stood if there was no offside review. So you could look at that and say, hey, what are you talking about? But I'm, I'm sick of the offside review too, generally. I'm at a point where it's like review whether the puck went in or not. Because all these reviews, what do you review, what don't you review, it leaves you wanting at the end of the day no matter what. So just remove as much of it as possible. That's kind of where I'm at, especially with hockey nowadays. Keep your thoughts coming into the text inbox. We'll get back to the phone boards. Plus, Ian McIntyre joins us as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on, presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life. On the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Joseph, right wing into the Canucks zone. Top of the circle, he tried to cut into the middle. Lost an edge, and the Canucks counterattack the other way. Myers fires ahead for Miller, right wing. Goes to the goal, he's robbed by Vasilevsky with a right pad. As Miller just bossed his way to the front of the net, got around Hedman, Tried to tuck it in past Vasilevsky at the far post, and the Tampa Bay netminder kicked out the right pad for another remarkable save to preserve the 2-0 lead for his team. And you can see right now why the Tampa Bay Lightning have won back-to-back cups with goaltending like this. He's been unbeatable tonight. Andre Vasilevsky, absolutely sensational between the pipes for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning, beating the Canucks 2-1 tonight. Canucks now losing two games in a row the other night losing against the Washington Capitals 4-3 and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650 um 
a lot of good reaction coming in here. And obviously, as you would expect, a lot of it is about the poor start by the Canucks and also the officiating. However, not everybody is quite as critical. There is some, hey, glass is half full. Let's not look at this all negatively like this one here uh, from Jackson from Headley says... Seems like a good amount of callers and texters are being too harsh with the Canucks. We just kept the team with the fourth most wins to a one-goal game while battling poor officiating. Solid game for the Canucks. So Jackson from Headley has a positive outlook from this one. Sure. I think a lot of people would say that's a team that's coming on a back-to-back that also flew into town today, and they had some t- mechanical issues on their plane. John Cooper talked about it yes. in his post-game presser as well. Uh, this one's from Joe Smith uh, from Tampa Bay uh, tweeting, uh, they arrived in, t- in 2 p.m. today. Cooper said with this trip travel, didn't want guys to say, we're going to mail this game in. No excuses from this group, and they came through. And it's something we talked about in the pregame show, Sat, that, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't about the regular season anymore. They they know that they have to go through an 82-game rehearsal to get ready for when they really want to play. They really want to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're mm-hmm. two-time Stanley Cup champions. And in an 82-game season, do you just get bored? And do you need moments to arise and say, hey, tonight's a challenge? And we've seen yeah. it already this season. They played with four D-men one game, and Victor Hedman was a maniac on the ice, playing over 30 minutes and won them the game for them. Tonight, you just stack up the circumstances and say, hey, back-to-back, and we're getting in late, and we have to travel on the same day we play, which is negotiated in the CBA to not do, but sometimes it happens. What are you going to do if you can't fly? And I imagine this just giant chip just comes on your shoulder for guys that are champions. Champions, and say, hey, tonight's a cool night. Let's try to just win differently today. And let's not lose four in a row. Let's show we can do something here. And you know what? The great first period, and then they just iced the rest of the way. And listen, the Canucks worked hard and tried to get back into it. The Lightning never looked too bothered. <laughs> never looked too stressed. And maybe you don't need to. We have Vasilevsky between the pipes as well, making the types of saves that he's making. That's the thing. Did, did Tampa Bay ever change their style of play? I mean, or, even, or get a get bit panicked? Not, or, not. I mean, not in the least. And why would you? One two back to back cup. Yeah. I mean, one back to back cups. I mean. <laughs> There's a reason they're the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? And the Canucks lost to them 2-1. All right. Um, we'll try to get to more of your text messages here. We have Ian McIntyre joining us coming up in a bit. But as promised, we are going to play some post-game audio for you here. And one of the players who had a really strong game tonight and did get a point for the Canucks, albeit in a losing effort, was Connor Garland. And here he is talking about how the team got off to a poor start yet again. Yeah, it's obviously not a good start, especially... Understanding how hungry they were going to be, they were, they were, you know, I think they lost three straight, and uh, you know, definitely a big game for them as well. So uh, to not come out the way we should was uh, disappointing. What did you think of your push as a group in the third period? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's obviously good to see. You know, we understand the character we have in our room, and you know, we don't ever feel like we're out of it. But uh, you know, we just talked in there after, and you know, we just have to have better starts. That's what's killing us right now. You know, if we. Uh, you can just have a good start and play like we did in the second or third. We're going to win you know, a lot of hockey games. On uh, JT's goal, were you expecting it to be called icing, or what was your read of the play? I just didn't hear a whistle, so just kept going. and I don't know. Um, just, you know, didn't hear a whistle. So. Came from uh, two back last game, obviously, to take the lead in the third. How, but how hard is it generally, a team like Tampa, spot them? Well, it's harder than any, uh, against any team. You know, when teams get the lead, they... They play the right way, and uh, a lot of uh, and good teams close games out. And 
that's what they, you know, they've won two cups. You can't win two cups without being able to close games at a high level. So, um, you know, gave ourselves a shot. We had a, had a good look at the six on five there and a couple late chances. But, you know, that's, yeah, it's too good of a team to give them a head start. Bruce has expressed some frustration to us at points with the, the bad starts. Is there frustration in the room because it's happened a few games? You haven't yeah. lost many, but generally the games that you're losing, this is the way you're losing. Yeah, them. well, it's, you know, something's got to change. You know, if you're, you're not playing well at the start of games, change something in, in your routine, get ready a different way because these games are too important for us not to start on time. Did you get an explanation on the goal you appeared to score when you jammed it there? The nope, I, I didn't. I don't have a letter, so I don't you know, go over and talk to the refs. But you know, did you get a view? I mean, from above, it looked like the puck was there and loose. I mean, yeah, I saw the puck, but I mean, I mean it's, it didn't count, so it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it sucks, but I mean, it is what it is. That is Canucks forward Gar- Connor Garland, and he's like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> it sucks, but what are you going to do? It is what it is. Have, it, we, have we heard that in the city before? From a Canuck? Yeah, never. Don't think we have. First time ever. Before somebody texts in, yes, we know. Todd. Certainly from, Todd Bertuzzi. From a power forward, too? <laughs> Garland's, Garland's a... Mini power, man. <laughs> yeah. He's a pint-sized little power forward. Uh, Ed in Edmonton texts in and says, Have you guys noticed that the players that have come from other organizations... I love have organiza- you guys noticed texts. I love I them. love them so uh, much. Have come from other organizations. Miller, Garland, and OEL seem to have more intensity than the homegrown talents that have been here for a few years. Besser, Horvat, etc. When the chips are down, who shows up to play? Is that the culture thing that Hershey and others have spoken about? That is Ed in Edmonton texting in. And listen, uh, the culture thing, you point to the core, and you also point to some of the things that have been mentioned about not handing things to guys and it being too easy and too much losing and the standard not being high enough here in Vancouver and self-preparation. Well, when you're a core of young guys, haven't seen a high standard, been part of a high standard, it's hard for them to set a high standard. And that's kind of why you talk about teams that have been in losing organizations for a long time, the players, especially growing up through that, Sometimes pick up some bad habits, and breaking those habits is not an easy thing to do. You hope the veterans find a way to do so. Like Ed mentioned, some of the veterans that have come in have shown that, like Miller and Garland. And we're going to play some audio from OEL here in a second. He's another guy that's, that's come in here, and i got to say, when we talk to people around the team, they talk about OEL's leadership, and they talk about how he's starting to come into his own as well here, Bick. And I know you highlighted this uh, when the trade was executed um, in Arizona. Look, the, the Arizona organization, can be absolute clown shoes and just like the, the conversation around them in general. But the on ice product when OEL was there, they there was worked. a certain standard that was always kept. They always worked hard. Yeah. And they almost never had a really bad years. Even when you thought, oh, this is going to be the worst team in the league outside of this year, they always competed and they were always kind of there and always a tough team to beat. They had, they were prepared, they worked hard. And he at least instilled that as the captain of the uh, Arizona Coyotes. And here is Oliver Ekman Larson, Canucks defenseman, after a 2 1 loss against the Tampa Bay Lightning, talking about how the start is what buried them. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like kind of cost us the game uh, again tonight here um, we got to find a way to to come out uh, better um, I mean after the first 10 15 minutes we I've, I felt like we outplayed and we had, had a lot of chances and and uh, I think it's important that we realize that we gotta do a better job in the first I mean that's all we have to focus on right now because the second or third we, we seemed like we were fine and, and playing the way we should be uh, but you gotta this time of the year, you got to play 60 minutes. How 
difficult is it from a player's perspective when that happens and then you have to spend the rest of the game chasing? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It makes, it makes it harder on us. Uh, I mean, we kind of worked ourselves back to, to a good spot here and, and uh, um, we just have to, to find ways to, to stay in games and, and win games. Uh, and like I said, I think we're making it a little bit harder when, when we come out like that in the first period. So um, that's something that we, we need to address and, and something that we need to, to do better. How much of it falls on the individuals? Bruce has talked a lot about whatever it takes to get ready for the game, do whatever you have to do, but be ready to play. Yeah, I mean, it's all on, on the players in that room. Um, I mean, especially on, on the older guys, too, I think we got to push, push the younger guys a little bit, too, and, and kind of set the, set the mo- uh, mood uh, in the room and in, in that game. Uh, but... Uh, I don't, haven't been able to do that uh, the last couple of games. Vasilevsky, he's so big and calm and, and moves so well for a big man. Did you guys talk between periods about how trying to get to him, maybe trying to get him to move? He's, he's so hard to, to beat. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best goalies in the league. Uh, so you got to have traffic. And, and uh, I felt like we made it a little bit easier, easier on him. Uh, I felt like he saw the, saw the pucks... Uh, most of the time, so uh, when you play against a goal like that and uh, a defense like that, you you gotta have bodies to the net and and make it harder on them. Uh, with Pedersen out, you uh, step in on the first power play unit. Uh, what did you think of the looks that your power play generated tonight? I thought we had uh, some good looks. Uh, I mean, it just that last thing scoring, and, and I mean, it's it's tough too uh, when you mix it up there. So used to playing with Petey there and. and I'm not gonna say that I have his shot, but uh, so it's. Uh, but for me, it's a good challenge. I mean, great opportunity for me to come in there and play with uh, some good guys, and, and uh, it was fun. But uh, like I said, um, I thought we did a lot of good things, moved the puck, and, and had some good looks, but uh, couldn't capitalize on, on the chances. And like you've talked a lot about the first period already, and, and this, but. It's been an issue for a lot of the season. Like you talk about the things that you need to change, but how come that change hasn't happened yet? I don't know if it's in in our head. To be honest with you, uh, I mean, we talk so much about coming out uh, harder, and, and especially with these guys playing last night too. Uh, I thought that was even more important that that we came out hard and, and we couldn't really push back. I thought the first time they came out after us. Uh, and then after that, we kind of took over the game, I felt like. But like I said, we got to find a way, especially this time of the year. It's big games for us, and, and we can't afford being down 2-0 two, two uh, going into the second and third. When you have the goal that's cancelled out by the quick whistle, uh, what does that do to the bench? Is there a letdown there, or is there a, a feeling like, OK, we know we can get to Vasilevsky? Yeah, I, I felt like we, we had some good looks, and, and I mean... Um, Sometimes it go, goes your way, and, and sometimes uh, it bounced that way. And, and I mean, I don't know. And I heard the whistle, and, and I mean, the puck was loose, so we nothing we can do do about that. But it comes down to to the start and, and playing better in the beginning of games, because um, it takes a lot of energy out of us uh, pushing that hard in the, in the second and third. It'd be nice playing with the league going into the second. That is Canucks defenseman Oliver Ekman-Larsen after a 2-1 loss against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Talking about the start, 
which buried this team early on, and that's what Connor Garland spoke about, and that's also what Bruce Boudreau talked about. And to discuss that and more, we now welcome in the true star of the postgame show, the man we call the quadruple threat. You see him on TV during Canucks regional broadcasts, you read his work on digital, you hear him on radio, and he's also on Hockey Night in Canada. He is Ian McIntyre joining us here on the postgame show, and it's all about those bad starts, Ian, for the Canucks yet again tonight. I'm going to listen to the music here. Go, Jimmy. There must be some kind of way out of here. Said Bruce Boudreau. Said a joker to the thief. It always works. Is that Bruce uh, the Joker or the thief? <laughs> no, some way out of here. I don't know if he's the joker. He's probably the joker. Oh, he did ask for a psychologist today. Yeah, I missed that part. Unfortunately, I was I was listening to his uh, press conference on Listen Live six fifty because I never go anywhere without the app. Love it, and especially when I'm on deadline, I can't hang out in the interview room hoping that somebody else might show up to speak. Uh, I was upstairs writing, and I didn't hear that part of it. I heard I heard the beginning though. What's uh, the best quote of the day though? Given what happened, is what he said this morning. About uh, about being uh, ready to go, and that they watch it as fans do, as everyone watches it, and says, "Why the hell can't they start better?" <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "I I wish we would have the answer," and and clearly they don't. I, I, a couple of things though, like let's be clear: while we're talking about the start, the team has lost nine times in regulation out of thirty-five games. Yeah, so it, it, that is remarkable. But it is surprising, considering these are you know professional National Hockey League players and all, that they're repeating the way they've they've got the pattern down set for the for the few games that they lose. Yeah. it's pretty obvious how they're doing it. In five of the games, I went back and looked through the first periods, and and it's hard to have a uniform cutoff. You know, uh, in in New Jersey, for instance, it was six one in the second. Right. Uh, uh, Anaheim, it was five nothing in the second. Islanders, it was five nothing early on. But just looking at the first periods, in five of the games they've lost out of the nine, they've trailed by a total of fifteen to nothing. They've been outscored fifteen to nothing mm-hmm. at some stage of the first period of all five of those games. So that's 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 not survivable. Now, luckily for them, they've they've won a whole bunch of games and a lot of the the games uh, cuz this could be worse like this trend could actually feel worse than what it is yes uh this trend is worse than what it feels let me put it that way yes. because a couple of those games you know the Toronto game the Calgary game especially Demko just made a a, a pile of saves early on early on otherwise it would have been more than 15 nothing and more than five games so this has been a problem uh, for this team, and it is. Uh, I, I think the frustrating part, as Connor Garland said after the game, because I was there for that press conference, yes. that knowing how how hungry the Lightning were going to be, because they had lost three straight, they also hadn't lost four straight in over two years. Mm-hmm. So the Canucks knew that they were going to be fired up, and and still just uh, you know it's not about effort, but. It's about sharpness, uh, mental sharpness, physical sharpness. The guys are trying. Like anyone who says, "Oh, they're they're not trying hard enough," like that's ridiculous. Look at the look at how long they've been chasing a playoff spot, and they're still chasing it. But it's you got to be sharp mentally and sharp physically, and they and they were neither. 
you know, and, and when they're not sharp like that, another recurring thing we've seen is they just look so slow. They yeah. Don't, they don't get to pucks. They don't get to mm-hmm. uh, op- uh, opposition players. Uh, when they do, they're not. They never win the puck, and and this is a repeating trend in those few wins. But they have so little margin for error that obviously you can't ex- you can't excuse them. Even though they've been uh, these few losses, I think I said wins. These few losses that they've had this way yeah. comparatively, like in the big picture, it's still too many because they have so little margin for error, and they have to give themselves chances to get points. And they they found a way to get. Uh, a point against Washington. They could have had two, of course, last game, yeah. even though they trailed 2 nothing in, in that one. But their start wasn't as bad as, as what it was tonight. But you just, you know, you might be lucky enough to do that a couple of times a season against a good team. Tonight, it, it really felt like it was over, especially when it was clear once the Canucks started to play that Vasilevsky was right on top of his yeah. game. It just seemed like the, there was no way. And even when Miller scored in the third... And I found this in, uh, I don't know why I find this interesting. Maybe it's not. You tell me. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, Chernak let up. It looked like maybe it was going to be an icing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. But Miller scores, and there was just no emotion. And I, I don't mean yeah. sort of from him, and, and he's he's been I almost you know, wonder incredible. if he thought it was going to get called off. It, it, it was, yeah. yeah. And, and But just the celebration, even once it all, you know, was apparent it was going to stand, there was no celebration. You compare that to last game, all that emotion at the start yeah. of the third period, and it was essentially the same situation. Down two nothing, you get an early goal, and uh, I don't know. I, I I thought it was I thought it was. I, th- I think you're right, Bick, that they probably wondered whether it was going to count, but you know, after a few seconds, mm-hmm. you know it's going to count, and there just didn't seem to be that that emotion, and and you know, I'm sure that they. They didn't think that the game was over, especially having did what they did the previous game. But it still felt to me, even at two one, like you know, that's that's it. Tampa Vasilevsky's going to lock it down now. Turns out he didn't, it did. yeah. but it didn't count for Garland on the second one. But I, I think that emotion that you speak of, it's like it's it's hard to constantly generate. That it is because at some point you just burn it out. And, and OEL was kind of mentioning that in, in his post game that you constantly have to reserve re- resort to that that. You, it, Eventually, the the engines just don't fire, and and that's the part of being consistent and and not getting too high, not getting too low in, in the course of a season. That if if you just stay steady, uh, you don't have to re- re- rely on engineering your energy late in games. This is two excellent points by you consecutively, Thank like you. within two minutes. <laughs> two <laughs> excellent points because you're right that this this chase that they've been on that it's incredibly tiring mentally. It's tiring mm. physically. We mm-hmm. can see. Everybody knows that, but it's incredibly draining mentally to have to be on, and and maybe that's why they have some of these games. Maybe that's the explanation that that Boudreaux and all of us are wondering. Maybe they they've they have spent so much mental energy mm-hmm. to win as many games as they have to play all these games like they they're must wins, and maybe there's just some nights that that's. Mental energy is depleted. There's nothing there at the start, and then yeah. they kind of like a like a uh, hybrid engine, you know, generate some energy as they go. But 
that energy is getting generated because now they're down and yeah. now there's some urgency and some fear and desperation and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, one player they were missing tonight, who we haven't even talked about, a bit of a surprise despite missing the morning skate. And the reason we were surprised is because co- head coach Bruce Boudreau downplayed Elias Pettersson's absence and said, just maintenance. However, when Kuz asked him, should we read into the wrist? He said, you can read into it whatever you want, which I thought was an interesting answer by him. And clearly we should have read into it because he did not play tonight. And all he said post game was day to day, but we also heard day to day last year about him and yeah. an injury, and then he was gone yeah. for the rest of the season. So you can forgive fans for being somewhat skeptical about Pedersen's uh, status. Yeah, I wish I'd thought of that when I said it on TV that <laughs> it's day to day, and in this case, uh, I I believe it is day to day. I don't think. Well, if he if he's out the rest of the season, then the, then well, the Canucks aren't going to do this, right? No. Uh, they're probably not going to do it anyways, but they need Pedersen to have a chance. Uh, I've heard that it is uh, legit day to day, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, they have they have four more home games on this homestand. If we don't see Pedersen in the next one or two, then I think you can start to wonder whether it's really day to day. But we'll see. the The fact that he practiced yesterday, he was on the ice yesterday, yeah, on Saturday, yeah, full practice. between games, makes you think that okay, it's whatever it is, it should be something they can manage. The context probably matters versus last year as well. They definitely weren't going to the playoffs last year. No, but he, and, and but, he, but he's had a more serious injury than sure. they first alluded to because he needed a lot of time. I'd just be curious if like 85% in this playoff chase, can you tough it out kind of scenario? Right. Well, I think, you know, if you're ever going to be a playoff team and actually get to the playoffs, you have to. So you may yeah. as well you may as well tough it out now because these, these, if you don't, these are going to be the only – air quotes, playoff games yeah. you have this year, these these big games in March. So if big I, games, I'm, not meaningful. That works as well. <laughs> if I was writing it, I'd probably say meaningful because that's a more impressive word meaningful. than big. Yes. It's, and that's been the phrase in this market for years, meaningful games in March. Yeah. There's been so few. That's why we cling to that. <laughs> and ironically, this is the year they actually have some meaningful games in March. Yeah. Right now it, you know happening. what? It is It is an enthralling race Uh when you look at the out-of-town scores and, yeah. you know, Winnipeg wins behind them, but but Minnesota, which is, nobody here is talking about Minnesota, they've been really mediocre mm-hmm. for a while now. Like, not just a couple yeah. of bad weeks. They, they've they been they've been non-playoff caliber for a while, but they were so good early on, they, mm-hmm. they have a cushion. Uh, they've been L- the reverse Canucks. Yes. L.A. lost again. And, yeah. and I'm not they convinced. Won they won tonight. Oh, did they win tonight? They Sorry. found a way. They were down and came up tied to the late. What, 30, 30 seconds left. They oh, scored and okay. they wanted to shoot it. I didn't yeah. see the final. I was yeah. writing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they'd lost. I was writing. I'm you serious. Were, you're the person co- next to Listen, you. Listen, you're West Coast games. You were like, right for 59 minutes and 30 seconds yeah. for that game. Yeah. But I, I'm not convinced about L.A. I, I mean, I think they're going to – I'm convinced they're going to be yeah. a very good team. But they're kind of like – Anaheim, where they're a year ahead of what anybody thought, and maybe two years ahead, certainly one year ahead. And we saw Anaheim have now come back to earth. But they're, you know, did they win tonight, Vic? They lost. They lost. Okay. Well, yeah, and you it know, was by and large, so so LA, LA could be the same. Look at look at Vegas. Vegas like, is really it's, yeah. It's astounding what Vegas is doing because they've been so good for so long. And at the start of the year, when they were missing so many key players. They were still winning games, and they were comfortably in a playoff position. Now they get Eichel. I know that they're missing uh, Stone, but now they can't. They can't seem to win a game. So it is going to be interesting for a while here. There's eight. There's eight teams. If I saw the standings after the LA 
uh, game. I think there's eight teams within eight points for four playoff spots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now the team that we're not talking as much about is the Dallas Stars, who are one point back of Vegas for the final wild card spot, but they have four games in hand. Yeah. And Dallas has games on everybody. Exactly. They have three games on Vancouver as well. Vancouver is two points behind of them. But, you know, this is how much these two losses hurt. The Canucks were in a position we were talking about where they're three points out of a playoff spot. And technically, yes, they're three points out. But now with the games in hand, they're more like anywhere from five to seven to nine points out, right. which shows you had they won – I picked up an extra point or two here. We're sitting here and talking about that gap being four and five, which is a pretty big difference. And that just shows, again, why you see Boudreaux be so frustrated because he understands how each one of these losses really sting. We were doing the math on this and saying, well, from this point on, you might be able to lose seven more games the rest of the season, season maybe, to get to 95, 96 points. The margins are so, so fine. Every loss hurts you so much. Yeah, and and his point as well that he's made a couple of times is that when you don't play for a couple of days after, you know a whole bunch yeah. of games. Well, maybe Monday. There's not going to be that many games on a Monday. But everybody's got games. And so by the time you play again, like as bad as you feel when you've just lost, you're probably going to feel worse by the time yeah. you play again. Right. Because at least half of those eight teams might be another two points in, in front of you. Uh, I, I think, you know, the way this homestand looked at, at at the beginning, the way it shaped up, you know, they they absolutely had to win the first game, and that was a bit of a trap game yeah. uh, against Montreal. And Montreal had been playing well, so they 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 took care of business there. And then these were going to be the tough games: Washington, uh, Tampa, and you would you would have wanted them to at least be five hundred, at least get two points mm-hmm. instead of instead of one. But uh, I wasn't personally thinking that they were going to get four points out of these no. two games. But at least they got the one. But now they have to, you know, they got Calgary again. So you basically, you, I think at this point, you got to get a point out of the Calgary game. Like we yeah. talked about heading into this road trip, especially with that trip coming, well, the games coming up after the deadline, that you have to go 5-2 and two on this homestand or pick yeah. up 10 out of 14 points. So that means you got to pick up, you can lose one more point in these four games. Yeah. Which, really which, which, is, which is possible. Yeah. That, that's doable to take seven out of eight. Yeah. But it's it's a big task. And like everything else, it's tough when you're playing from behind. Yeah. Uh, but we saw them do it on that uh, really hard road trip uh, in January where they lost the first three, including to this Tampa team, and had two really tough games, Washington and Nashville, to go. And it looked... <laughs> I At that point, I would have bet 0-5 would be a lot more uh, likely than 2-3, but they won the last two but now they're going to have to just kind of run the table here. Yeah, it kind of puts them into that spot, and we look forward to seeing what happens on Tuesday when the Canucks host the New Jersey Devils, a team they haven't beaten in a very long time, but they need to beat on Tuesday. And Ian, look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca. Bick Nazar, you can listen to him tomorrow with Randeep Janda on The People Show, 1-4 to four on Sportsnet 650. I'm back at it, at it again with Dan Riccio, 4-7 to seven on Canucks Central. Thanks to Lena holding things down here at the Jim Robson Broadcast Gondola, and also Eddie back at the radio station. And thanks to you for listening and being part of the postgame show. Looking forward to being back at it on Tuesday when the Canucks host the Devils. This has been the Canucks Central postgame show presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.